0: Hey, is this thing on? Spit on the microphone. (laughs) Ha! Welcome to Successfully Screwed, a weekly podcast with Ashley Owens and Sarah Rosenberg. What the hell is this about? I don't even know where I'm starting. Is that where I'm starting? Well, this is about how business
1: owners screw up their fuck-ups. If you're a business owner, you know the definition of hard work, frustration, second-guessing, imposter syndrome,
0: and everything in between. And then you look around on social media or on CNBC and the success of others and you wonder, damn, when is that going to happen for me? Will it ever happen for me?
1: The hell am I doing wrong? And
0: what the fuck am I doing wrong? Hey, guess what? Everybody says that. There are a lot of other podcasts out there that are positively motivational. Those are
1: cool because they give you those warm, fuzzy woo hoo feelings. But the Successfully Screwed podcast takes a different approach to kicking you in the pants, to kicking you in the ass, in an attempt to motivate you to hang in there and keep grinding.
0: We talk about the fuck-ups and how successful entrepreneurs overcome them because that is its own kind of motivation. We also give you that Freud factor. God damn it. Schadenfreude. Freud. Google it. On this episode, we talk to Want to win some free things? Of course you do. You're an entrepreneur, probably making nothing. However, if you'd like to win some free things from the guests of this podcast, make sure you hashtag I listened while sharing this episode. You could be in the running for free consultations, some great resources, free books, whatever our guest decides to bring on, you have the chance of winning. So make sure at the end of this podcast, you share it. Hashtag I listened and the episode number. Sit back, relax, and wait every Sunday for the drawing. Welcome to the Successfully Screwed Podcast. I'm your extrovert, Ashley Owens. I'm your introvert, Sarah Rosenberg. And today we have the pleasure and the privilege to speak to Mr. Jack Miller of Gelt Financial. Jack, this is pretty interesting because you and I and you and I and Sarah have never met before. So you're one of our few guests that we have had, haven't had on yet um, that we've never had a chance to actually meet in person, get to know a little bit. So this is the perfect opportunity. However, Jack, before we make it all about you, we're going to make it all about us. So, Sarah, what is your screw-up of the week? Because we have many. Mm -hmm. Screw-up of the week. So, just to continue. For the day.
1: Hopefully, (laughs) for the day, right? Hopefully, by the time this airs, my um, crazy, brutal, depressive episode will be over. Okay. Uh, But, yeah, it's just, honestly, it's been bad and dark, and I just got home from therapy. So I went to therapy. So that was good. So that was a plus. But just having a business that you need to function in every day while you're, you know, in a fetal position in your bed, (laughs) trying to figure out what the hell to do next it's hard. It's really, really hard. So yeah. So that that's it. That's what I got for this week, and I'm hoping to come out of it in the next couple of days because this is enough already.
0: You're done. You're you're <laughs> done. You can't. Yeah. You're done. There's nothing was, else to say. You're done. There's, There's done.
1: Nothing else. To, I I just everything's foggy. Everything's a little. You know. It is what mm-hmm. it is, and we are trying to get through it.
0: Do I need to bring over some special brownies? that I have no idea how to make and or have no idea where I would get anything to help make them special like I I am I have no idea what to bring you
1: (laughs) I know you would figure out how to do that if I said yes and I appreciate that greatly um but actually one of the self-care things that I'm trying to do is just eat well because um
0: not eating well
1: like it messes me up more so I'm trying to like just do what I can to maintain at the moment but I appreciate that
0: you're very welcome, and I think me kind of, you know, shifting gears and working with power much more is hopefully going to take the pressure off. So I'm, I'm hoping to make it work and just, yes. you know, take over the world. I'm just going to keep sending you memes, <laughs>
1: that would just be aggressive
0: memes me- me like that. Okay. They really do. I got to talk to Brian. Brian sends me these random memes they all are the d- time. Oh, are you honestly. on
1: his list? Hi, Brian. Am I, on- I am on yeah. that list, too, and they are hilarious
0: all he does how and does he I, have a job
1: i i don't know and i don't know if his um boss knows that he has this little group of people that he sends ridiculous memes to but they're the best
0: thank you very much brian we love you yes brian thank you love you buddy uh, my script of this week was do
1: not say time blocking
0: no it's usually time blocking actually this week <sighs> So I, most of what I do is I give referrals, right? So my job is, I don't get paid for that, but the reputation that I get based off of the, you know, the giving aspect has proven very, very successful for me in that instance. Whether it's a referral for somebody who needs something or a good connection synergy wise, I'm constantly doing that. In fact, I do it every day. So I'm I'm either talking to about seven or eight people a week, or excuse me, a day, or I'm doing, or I'm sending out referral emails. So with that being said, I was behind like a few, like two or three weeks on actually telling people and giving them what I said that I was going to give them. And that to me is unacceptable. So um, today I kind of was able to figure it all out and get it all done. But I really want to be more at, better on top of that and practice more what i So I have it written down. I just need to do it. Um, And my intentions are there, but the past two weeks have been crazy. Um, I've been at events more and more often, which is good, but my energy level has been sucked out. So I need to um, not time block, but just make sure that I keep a better. I I prepare for my stupid self to forget. So if I do something or if I say I'm going to do something, I have to write it down or I have to make a note of it.
1: You're at the point where you forget.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna forget. I mean, it's bad. Some people I haven't spoken to in a few weeks um, that give me a wonderful referral, and I look at my email I'm like, who the hell is this? Yeah, you, yeah. And and that's bad. And that's bad. Now the thing is, I look at their LinkedIn like, oh, of course, yes, that's right. They have the cat, there. but like I am getting to the point where I'm talking to so many wonderful, lovely, amazing human beings that the the qu- quantity is overhashing the quality. Yeah. Um, which is okay, but I have to put the proper process. Is in place to make sure that I'm still providing them with value without forgetting the names. Yeah, no, I totally got Cool. All right, Jack. Jack. Thank you again for joining us today.
2: So, ladies, now that you mentioned my name, I wanted to be quiet. I didn't want to kind of intercede, but first of all, I have to say that since you do a screw up of the week, I hope next week your screw up of the week is not me. That's my number one goal. <laughs> so that's number two. But, Sarah, I feel bad. I have to ask you, you know, you you sound like you had a tough week. And when I hear people are are struggling, it's my nature to try to elevate them. And usually people are pretty comfortable talking to me. And for some crazy reason, they feel good about it. So I have to ask you, why did you have a tough week? Why are you in the fetal position? And what can I do to help you? Because I feel bad for you. I don't know you, but I really feel bad for you.
1: I appreciate that.
2: You you shouldn't have to go through a day or life kind of, doing that so if you want to talk to me off on this podcast or later feel free because I've gone through some tough things and I know it sounds crazy I have zero training at this but people sometimes do feel good when they talk to me about their problems I don't want you to have to go through a day being let that being down in the dumps like that and we should all try to elevate each other I know it sounds crazy but
1: I agree um, and I, I, I definitely appreciate that. Um, I, I have a wonderful, wonderful therapist, which is awesome. I have a really good support system. Um, I just honestly, I think at this point, it's a bit of a, a chemical imbalance situation um, that I, I, I've, recent, and I've talked about this on the show before. I've recently stopped taking medication. Um, I, am, I need to go back on it, to be honest. Um, something else? Um, so we are exploring that actually tomorrow, um, so yeah, so it, it's just a matter of white-knuckling through it till I can function again like a normal human being, um, but I do appreciate that, and I will put you in my uh, my wheelhouse of people to send random text messages to you when I feel like crap, um, but yeah, I mean, that I, I, I try to be really open with uh, my mental health because I I am a bit of a Mental health advocate, big mouth, at least on social media. Um, and so to talk about it, um, you know, I kind of need to practice what I preach when I feel like I'm in the hole. So that's what I do, but I appreciate it. Thank you.
2: No, I appreciate that you're, you're talking about it and you're being candid because it's very hard to talk about it. And I believe in, we need to bring it in from the dark because there's a lot of people who suffer the same or similar mental health issues, you know, quote unquote, and they're scared to talk about it and they're embarrassed to talk about it. And uh, I think it really needs to be talked about. To, again, the only thing I can say is bring it in from the dark because that's how uh, people will help each other uh, and society will help each other. And there's been some very notable people who've talked about it. I'm going to follow, start following you on social media to track it. When I see you're down, I'm going to try to elevate you. And mm-hmm. I seriously mean it. And I've done, I've done numerous shows on with some pretty high profile people who suffer from mental health mm-hmm. uh, issues. Yeah. And yeah. it's critical that we keep talking about it. So, and, and anyway, I, I, I apologize. I, I didn't mean to take you beautiful ladies no. off course with the show. I apologize.
1: Well, I think that's one of the big reasons why we have this show is because there are people who go through it. And, you know, if you look on social media for most people, um, you know, their their lives look rosy and happy. And it, that's not the way it is. And, you know, in order to get through those dark times, you need resources. And that's one of the things that we love to talk about with the, the guests that are, brave enough to come on the show and be vulnerable with the audience and have a lesson to teach all of us and, you know, give us their resources for being able to get over it. So we appreciate that you're on the show. When we spoke before we started recording, um, and and this happens to a lot of guests, they're like, all right, what do you want me to talk about? Because I have a lot of screw ups. Um, You're in the banking business. You've been in the banking business for a long time. So Give us a little bit of an idea about how you started and kind of take us up to really bad financial situation in the early 2000s. Um, And then after the break, we'll go into that a little bit more. So give us a little bit of background.
2: Sure, so just to clarify, uh, I was in the banking business uh, for a couple of years, which is the biggest disaster of my life. I've been in the the lending business literally I'm 56 since I've been 18 or 19. I started Gelp Financial February 1st, 1989. So almost 30 years ago. And we've been private portfolio and lenders for 30 years. Um, How I started was kind of a crazy story. I'm dyslexic. And a lot of people, I, I just am. Anyone who knows me knows it, whether they talk about it or not, because I make spelling mistakes and the way I do things and talk. And I couldn't, I couldn't, college wasn't an option for me. And I started right when I was a teenager and I applied for a job at a bank uh, mortgage company merger when I first met my wife. And for some crazy reason, they hired me. They didn't ask me any questions, but they hired me. Uh, they interviewed me in a basement in a, of a branch. They didn't ask me if I had any experience, which of course I did not. And they just said, go. So I was so excited that I had the opportunity to earn money because before that I was selling pretzels, I was selling newspapers, I was doing everything. So I did that uh, for a company called Senlar Federal Savings Bank for a couple years. And then uh, actually the day my first son was born, I literally resigned my job and started Gelt Financial February 1st, 1989. And um, for the most part, it's been a tremendous success and a lot of joy. It's really been, other than my family and my community, it's been, I've I've loved it. Uh, And I got the genius move, quote unquote, it was really a stupid move or the, the stupidest move imaginable to lead an investor group to purchase a bank, which we purchased in late 2006, right before the economic crash. At the time, it looked like it a, a brainstorm and it looked like a, he, I was a genius and we got the best deal in the world. Um, but as life hits us in the head, sometimes as soon as I bought the bank, the economy collapsed. Um, and on you know, literally one minute, we were geniuses. The next minute we were the bad guys and the devils and we caused nine 11 and we caused the global economic crisis and the regulators, you know, one minute the regulators and the government loved you the next minute. It was their job to put you out of business and they hated you. So we lived with this. Um, you know, I argue internally was the, the genius was the stupidest thing I did buying it or was it, as soon as the economy collapsed, I should have just given it over back to the regulators and walked away and saved, you know, probably around 10 million bucks of my money and investors money and saved all kinds of legal problems and, you know, five years in a traumatizing event. Because anyone who went through it, who was on the banking side at the time, people don't remember how the economy collapsed. It was sort of like, even though it was 10 years ago, it feels like 100 years ago, but it was an economic crisis of unprecedented proportion.
1: Yeah, it really was. And my background is in financial services, like the late um, 1990s, early 2000s. And I I still kind of get a rush with those kinds of, in that industry. Um, And it was, it, it was devastating. Um, And I don't think you, you probably, you didn't go into the bank purchase thinking, yeah, this is going to be the worst decision of my life. Like, you went into it hoping that this was going to work out, obviously. So, so let's just take a step back for a minute. So you started a business. Um, how did your wife feel about all this? Because obviously, this—you know—you have a family at that point, and and you maybe you were pretty stable up until then. How did your wife feel about doing this? Right when you're having kids, and and you know your attention is elsewhere.
2: So to put it in perspective, um, I resigned. I, I was at, in my early twenties. I resigned from a a commission job that I was making six figures from with no. College education, really a barely a high school education. I was making a lot of money. Um, my wife has always been my biggest supporter, so she fully supported it. She fully supported it. I think my father-in-law, who was a saintly man, when I told him and uh, that I was resigning and I resigned from this unbelievable job, that uh, thought I was crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah especially to resign literally from your wife's hospital bed. This is the time really didn't cell phones didn't exist in. And I called up my boss and says, I'm going to start my own company. Literally a couple hours after your first son is born with no income, no assets. I I think my father-in-law thought I was crazy, Uh, but my wife was fully supportive of it and has always been my biggest supporter. Um, So, you know, my wife,
1: so Our I think game thought it was great. Um, all right. All right. So we, so, so, okay, good. Cause I, for, for, for me especially, um, you know, it, it the spouse and, and what the partners do to support, um, that entrepreneurial spirit always fascinates me because I probably couldn't do it, but okay. So that's, so I want to get that question out of the way. Um, so leading up to, um, purchasing the bank, How was Gelt Financial doing prior to that, like right before that?
2: Fantastic. We look like we were geniuses. We were one of the largest private lenders in the Philadelphia marketplace. Uh, We had a lot of cash. We're making a lot of money. We had a a fantastic team that we had built up over 20 years. I mean, in any way, shape or form, we look like we were geniuses and we were Uh, just a fantastic company measured in any way by balance sheet by profit and loss by employees um in any way shape or form by customer service any way shape or form we looked like we were you know a dream company
1: okay so so when the opportunity to buy this bank came up um what was your thought process
2: so, the oppor- opportunities did, don't at least for me, they don't come up. Nothing, yeah. no, nothing is easy. I have to go out and I have to find it. So, in truth, we sealed the deal um, in 06. But the reality is, I was working on this for probably 20 years. Okay. Uh, this was a very small family owned bank that was started in the 19, I think, 10s or 20s. Uh, it was owned by a family, and I had first approached them 20 years before. Um, And I had quietly worked the deal and had in the back of my head that this would be great. If I could buy this, who could, you know, it it sounds kind of eccentric who buys a bank, you know, you know, it's crazy. So, um, uh, you know, it it took a long time to happen. And even once we got the, the, the family to agree to sell it, um, it took a long time. It took over three years, I think about 30 months exactly uh, to get, to, to line up the investor pool to get we had to get three regulatory agency approvals and you know a lot of work. It wasn't easy. so yeah, it wasn't a quick kind of No, no Only bad things happen quick. Right. Good That's things true. take a lot of time and a lot of work.
1: That's true. Um, and what were the economic rumblings going on at the time that if you look back now, would they have been a red flag for you?
2: Look, they, they weren't, you, you know, it, it, no, I, I don't because think so. I,
1: re- I remember those times it, it, when you saw all the big investment bankers kind of come crashing down. It, it was really surreal, to be honest, to kind of watch it happen. So I, I guess because I don't re- exactly remember timelines, but I guess, I, right. So my question is, when you look back now, were there red flags during that 30 month process that would have... Now made you say, you know, what? I'm not going to do that.
2: So, n- no, look, it, it's very easy to look back and be a Monday morning yeah, yeah. quarterback back, but the reality is there was a, a lot smarter people than me, the, the smartest, the best within the government, within industry who didn't see this crisis coming. Yeah. So it's kind of, it would be silly for me to say, oh, I, I saw it coming. Of course I did. Now, everyone knew that the economy goes through adjustments every seven years, every eight years, every 10 years. So, um, and we had gone through some ourselves um in 98 we had gone through a crisis there was whatever there was a crisis in russia and it affected the u.s economy and it was a crisis on the secondary market in wall street but nobody could have predicted or nobody predicted that the crisis would have been as deep and as wide as it was that literally took down, I think it was eight or nine of the top financial institutions in the country yep. were totally changed or decimated by it. Yep. Nobody could have predicted that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac would mm. have been taken over by the government. Yep. It was simply impossible to predict. So, yep. so, yeah. So, I don't know if I answered your question. No, off. you
1: did. Absolutely. All right. We're going to break here. When, I, when we come back, I would love to ask you about Um, the downfall Um, and then after that I would like to ask you about um, the resources that you use to kind of dig yourself out of that hole and survive it and and hang on so uh, when we come back we will do that we'll be right back
0: same old thinking same old results we think all entrepreneurs need a helping hand to pick brains a kick in the butt a fresh set of eyes a reality check bounce ideas off a third party. So you might need a successfully screwed support session. It's a get unstuck strategy. Having someone to not only discuss an issue going on in your business, but also having a neutral third party help to create a plan to move forward is so important. Our support sessions are typically one-time, intense, sit-down, and when we're done, you'll have a clear view of what the problem actually is. A neutral, unemotional outlook on your business, a workable action plan to get you over the hump and back on track. Access to resources and professionals that can further provide you guidance, relief in knowing you have a support and a plan to move forward, and renewed excitement about your vision and business goals. Visit Successfully Screwed Podcast slash at a low point. Welcome back to the Successfully Screw Podcast with your extrovert, Ashley Owens, your introvert, Sarah Rosenberg. We have the pleasure and the privilege to talk to Jack Miller from Gelt Financial. Um, right before the break, we talked about the complete downfall of the financial crisis that was 2008 and how that affected Jack. So Jack, tell us more about you know what that ripple effect was, um, specifically for you, specifically for your clients, and, and how people were able to either manage it or get through it. So uh,
2: I appreciate the question. I think it's a good one. Uh, I'm going to break it down in two parts. I'm going to break it down how affected me and the group that I represented, the investor group, the employees, the customers, you know. Then I'll talk about how it affected the American people in general. So for me, it was, it, it was beyond devastating. You know, one day, everyone loves you. You're a hero. Investors are throwing money at you. The government loves you. Literally, everyone loves you. People are congratulating you. And the next day, you're a bum. You know, you've lost millions and millions and millions of dollars of your own money and friends and families of money, which you feel guilty about, through really no fault of your own. Uh, your your name is dragged through the mud. Uh, mm-hmm. You spend your whole life building this fantastic reputation, uh, being, you know, really uh, just... Top, best in class within an industry, and the next day, not because of your fault, because all of a sudden the economy changes. You're a bum. You're accused of all kinds of things. The government blames you for all kinds of things. So you have this reputational issue that you know you're a bum. You're a loser, and then you have the emotional issue. So a lot of people can't get up from that emotional issue. A lot of people can't get up from any of the issues. But to have it all you know, together is very hard to recover from. A lot of people, I have friends of mine, tons of friends of mine who tried to take their own lives. Thank God they weren't successful, but sadly some were, who couldn't deal with the emotional coming backs from it. How do you rebuild from something so devastating as this? Because it's not, just doesn't happen quick. My mistake looking back is, is we waited it out. We tried to make it work. Looking back, the, the best thing I could have done is gone to the regulators and say, Here's the keys back, just close down the bank. Take it, it's yours. Instead of, instead, for four or five years, we tried to make it work. So you put up with the unbelievable pressure and abuse. For that amount of time. And it's devastating. And it's equivalent. And I'll tell you how bad it was. Uh, A couple years ago, we were watching some show 2020. And we watched uh, where veterans were coming back from the Afghanistan war of Iran and Iraq, and how they were suffering from post traumatic stress syndrome. Halfway through the show, I said to my wife, I said, I had that. Now, I didn't go to war where people were shooting bullets or IEDs or whatever. But when you go through a crisis in your life, and it's such an epic crisis, it affects every fiber of you. You have that. It's taken me a long time to deal with it. And when I talk about it, sometimes it helps, sometimes it doesn't. So there was a lot of crises for me. It's terrible to go in and feel like you failed, even though it really wasn't your fault to have to lay off and fire people who were great people. Then there was the ripple effect. You know, our bank provided great service for people. We happened to issue secured credit cards where people needed it. So The ripple effect to customers, to the American people, you know, millions of people lost their home because of the tightness of the credit markets. It, again, didn't affect, it wasn't a Jack Miller thing, it was an economic thing. People couldn't get credit today, still today, in my business life, I talk to people almost every day of the week who are still suffering because the government changed the way they regulated banks. They used to let the, the bankers make decisions, now effectively, it's made at the federal level. So every time any of your listeners are applying for any financing, a credit card, a loan on a house, a, lo- a commercial loan, a loan on a car, really the decisions being ma- being made at the federal level. They don't say that, but that's what's happening. Yes, so yes. people have were decimated by it. People lost their jobs, their careers, their businesses, their houses, so it was of epic proportion, and people try to, and, and still today, it's 10, 12 years later, people are still suffering from it. Yeah. You know, everyone makes like it's nothing, and the stock market's doing great. But I speak to people in my business, because we're Ooh. commercial lenders, almost every day of the week, who tells me, calls me up. They need a loan to pay off a bank who they've been paying perfectly. These are, so, uh, these are true Americans, people who work 24-7 on their businesses. They lay up at night. They're, they're, they're working, and they're sweating, and they put everything into it their whole lives, and they're paying their bills, and the bank says, oh, you have to pay me off yep. because of some stupid government regulation." so i could go on and on about this because i'm passionate because i feel people's pains and i talk to them every day and i live through those pains so yeah it was terrible for jack miller it caused an unbelievable ripple effect thank god that i have the internal strength i have a strong community a great family and i had the 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 whatever it was, to rebuild. But I laid on the sofa and cried for a while. I'm not going to tell you I didn't. Of course I did. I get upset over it now. Of course I did. But I had the strength to get back up. Um, and I dealt with the reputational issues and the, the loss of friends. You know, you, you deal with it. Yeah. But there's people suffering every day because of this crisis and because of government intervention. Yeah.
1: Um, so, and, and I think that you made a great point in that, especially for entrepreneurs on, on one, maybe what the crisis doesn't happen on such a level as it did for you. But the fact of the matter is, is that when a crisis happens, however big it is, you can't just leave it at work and come home and, and live a normal life. Like it, it permeates all areas of your life and what you have going on and and there are ripple effects to your family and your support system and your friends and, and all of those kinds of things so i would i would love to explore for a second that fortitude that it took for you to to look back and repair your reputation keep going and say all right we're gonna we're gonna keep trying do you still have the bank now
2: no it would no no the government it's it's a cut it's in custody the government took it from us um, which is a whole you could do a whole show on that and they give it to somebody else right winners and losers
1: was that a relief for you when they did that
2: You know, I think it was. I think I look back now and the pressure that myself and really the executive team of the bank, it wasn't just me. The truth is I... I never wanted to be a banker. I'm not a banker. Uh, but the whole executive team, the pressure was inhumane yeah. that the regulators put us on mm-hmm. and how they, 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 they basically lie and deceive. Uh, we, we tried to sell it. We tried to give it away. It really wasn't a sale. So I think in a way it was a huge relief. Yes. Yeah. I only wish now I look back and say, what was I? How stupid was I? I should have three or four years earlier just said here, you don't want small banks anymore. Take it. Goodbye.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so going back to that internal fortitude that it took to deal with all of that, not only for yourself, but employee wise and and company wise, what do you think that was?
2: You know, the truth is for me, what's the choice? You, You know, when you're knocked down or you fall, or something bad happens to you, which happens to all of us yeah. in different ways. Could be through sickness, or through family problems, or through career problems. You, you, you know, you could. Own, some people just stay on the sofa and cry forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but for me, it, it's it's intuitive. I have to get up sooner or later. You can cry for a minute, for five minutes, for a year, for five years, but you can't spend your whole life down. And it's an important message because while a lot of people don't buy banks and lose the bank and lose, you know, a lot of people's money with the bank, uh, every, every entrepreneur has ups and downs. Every single person has our own challenges with relationships, with communities, with jobs, with whatever it may be. It's how we react to these challenges that define us. Yeah. And we're all tested in different ways. This was a test for me. You, you know, how I reacted to it, that was that was for me. Um, and it's an internal strength that yeah, I think people have to have. And I think, thank God, you know what, I had a supportive wife and children and parents and in-laws and brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws. I had an unbelievable family. I had an unbelievable community who supported me. There were four or five guys who would send me motivational texts and emails every day that I swear to God, they kept me alive. I would be so low. Okay. I'd be feeling so garbage and so worthless. And I'd get a text out of nowhere. They don't know how I'm feeling. And I would get a text out of nowhere right. that elevated me, that made me feel good. So that's why I yeah. started the show with trying to support you, because I really believe in that, because you don't know when someone's low. And it's up to all of us yeah. to help the other person, because I believe that we we help, I got those that help when I needed it the most. They didn't know I needed it the most, I wasn't crying out there and saying, I'm low, I'm depressed, but I would get these this positive feedback from four or five guys who really elevated me. Yeah,
1: and I uh, love that. And I totally think that should be a movement of just find four or five people and just, you know, send them something amusing or inspirational or whatever, because you know, we're not all of us are gonna be wear our hearts on our sleeve and be like, Hey, I need help. So no, I think that's really an amazing and and this happens guest after guest. It's that support system that is pro- that, that, that is shown to get you through those difficult times. And if you don't have that, you're in trouble. So, you know, go out and find that.
2: You're right. Also, you learn who you think are your friends and you Absolutely. think are your supporters. You, know, who, who, you, you learn their true colors as well. Yes. Um, so a, a lot comes out through problems. You, you know, it just does
1: yeah absolutely all right we are at the point in the show where we would like to um ask you about your top three and we probably just did it but let's just you know kind of put it all in one spot your top three resources that you cannot live without
2: so i i think number one has to be my faith my you know this is all wrapped in one my family my faith my wife, my kids, my community, the you, you know, the, my core belief system of what's right and what's not right, what's important, what's not important. Uh, the second, I think, has to be humility. You know, when you're knocked down, you become humble, and that that humility has to stick with you all the time. And And the third, I think, is optimism, that we look at Tomorrow, thinking it's going to be brighter than yesterday, no matter what happens to us today, tomorrow is going to to be bright. So I think you have to have optimism. So I think I would describe the first as beliefs, family, faith, um, the second, humility, and the third, optimism, as it keeps me going. You know, my iPhone dies— I'm upset, I'm ready, to, I'm ready to scream. I don't wanna tell you my blood pressure doesn't boil when I can't get into my Outlook or my computer, but you get through those. It's the big issues that you have to focus on.
1: Absolutely, those are great resources. All right, Ashley, are we ready for rapid fire questions?
0: Rapid fire questions! With rapid fire questions, what you end up getting is four questions, one from, or two from each of us, Sarah and myself. With these rapid fire questions, what you get is two motivational, inspirational questions and two ridiculous and probably insensitive ones. So, Jack, if you're willing to take the challenge, we'd love to have rapid fire questions fire at you. Are you ready?
2: What am I supposed to say? No? I, <laughs> I'd love to say no. we end it here. I'll go for it. I don't. What I've embarrassed myself in public before. I'll do it again.
0: I think you're just. I think you're doing great. I think you're doing great. It's perfect. Sarah, you want to start? Yes. All right, Jack. What is the title of your TED talk?
2: Getting back up when you fall down.
0: Perfect. Next question. What is your favorite summer activity?
2: The same thing as my my winter activity. Just being with my family and friends and community.
1: Awesome. All right. My question, because you. Your resources kind of match um, what I typically ask people, which is what are the three traits a successful entrepreneur needs to have? I think we did that already. Um, So let me ask you, I'm noticing on the camera here that you have a bunch of pictures of Muhammad Ali. Why?
2: Uh, I do have a lot of Ali pictures. Uh, I also have a lot of boxing pictures. Uh, I'm not, anyone who knows me knows I'm really not into sports. I'm one of those nerdy guys uh, but really the only sport I like or used to like was boxing. Um, and, uh, I just collect boxing memorabilia Ooh. and I, uh, I'm a big fan of Ali and really all boxers because you get in the ring, it's just you and somebody else. That's it. Yeah. You know, there's nothing. Um, so I'm just a fan of boxing. I- I'm a fan of a lot of things. I collect a lot of things, but I'm a big fan of Ali and boxing.
1: Awesome. Last question, Ashley? If
0: you could get a yacht, what would you call it?
2: A yacht? Uh, don't give me a yacht. Uh, it sounds—it sounds torturous. I wouldn't <laughs> take one for free. Um, but I, I would have to call it my—you know—my my, my wife. My, my wife and my family are everything to me.
1: Awesome! Awesome. Well, and what are you giving... We're a big fan of Mrs. Miller at
0: this point. Sarah, are we done with questions? Are we all done? We are
1: done. We did all
0: four questions. Oh my God, did all these things. All right, Jack, what are you giving away to the audience today?
2: You know, I I think... Look, I I could tell you to go to geltfinancial.com and apply for a loan or commercial loan. I I could tell you about the capital that we supply investors and real estate entrepreneurs who want to make money and how we help people. I'd love for you to do that, www.geltfinancial.com. But I really think the most valuable thing I could give people, which I get a lot of gratitude, is by helping people who are suffering. So I I would give you my time. I would tell anyone that if someone is down, if they're depressed, if they want to know how to build a business, uh, whatever it is, I've um, somehow I've made it through 56 years. I don't know how and nothing has been easy. Um, I would encourage you call me and if I can help you in any way, it would be my absolute pleasure. And really, uh, I consider my greatest asset is helping people. And when I see someone down or someone who's struggling, I try to make the time even i know them i don't know them it doesn't matter to, to, to help them in any way i can
1: all right guys so this is an hour to pick the brain of the founder of gelt financial which is a big deal so um once again ashley and i will have to implement our stocking accounts to do what we need to do to get that hour so that's awesome we appreciate that thank you Ashley. how do they get that hour with jack
0: They. You can get that with Jack by liking, sharing, and hashtagging I listened and sharing the episode where Jack is there. So we're super excited for everybody to like and share this podcast. Jack, you've given us all the information where people to contact you and all your information will also be in the description as well. Thank you so much for being on the show today. We loved your story and I think there's a big lesson learned everywhere is to just keep moving. Just keep moving and how important mental health is. What do you think, Sarah?
1: I love it. Thank you, Jack, so much.
2: Ladies, Hi, Jack. thank you. And I wish you and your audience the best. And I think you guys are doing a great thing for humanity by having this podcast. I, I sincerely mean that. Thank,
0: thank you, you Jack. You're the best. All right, everybody, stay successful, stay screwed, and stay tuned.